and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand, here with my co-host, Jonathan Peel. So, Jonathan, you know what has happened uh, in Minnesota? What's that? It turned into wintertime here. How about that? You know, it feels like it happens happens every every year. year. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like you can count on it. (laughs) Um, But one of the things I've been thinking about a lot lately and having these, uh, having conversations with people about the weather, I'm sure this is true everywhere. It's like the main thing that Minnesotans talk to each other about. Um, uh, I am so struck by the differences in reactions that people have to the onset of cold weather. Um, I'm kind of of the of the mindset that like if you live in Minnesota, you you just got to get into it, like just whining about what the weather's like for a couple of months at the start of winter, or you know if you're really into whining for the whole winter, um, you you it's just not sustainable. You mm-hmm. know it's coming every year. You just you know. Well, especially for people who moved there and didn't grow up there, presumably mm-hmm. they knew what they were getting into. Mm-hmm. No, but but can you ever really know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't know. So I grew up um, in western New York, uh, at Rochester, New York, which is near to Buffalo. And we had a lot of snow. Uh, and I actually, I like it. I like the winter. And I lived in Boston for a while. There's a lot of winter in Boston. And I would actually, I would rather have a blizzard than like super hot and muggy. Uh, yeah. Because I feel like for me, with when it's cold, uh, really, it shouldn't be like... I read somewhere, is this, what country was this? Okay, anyway, I will not make everyone sit through me wondering and having a bad memory. But basically, there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just inappropriate clothing, right? And so I feel like if it's super cold out and you're, if you're miserable outside, you need better, you need a better coat, you need a better hat, you need better boots. Uh, And if you bundle up, this should be fine. And then, but when it's hot out, like there's only so much clothing you can take off. Like, first of all, in a socially appropriate way, and also just in general, like at some point you run out of clothing to take off, but you never run out of clothing to put on. Yep. <laughs> How's yep. that? For, no, are we I'm, done? Was that, was that an episode <laughs> right there? Episode close. No, yeah. I'm with you. Plus, um, uh, I don't know. I like the coziness. I like the, I like the sweaters and cups of tea and snuggling up under blankets and watching the snow fly outside. Um, but, but also, um, the the thing that I like about Minnesota winters in particular is that <laughs> the thing that I like about Minnesota winters in particular, she says, um, is that they are so long and so dark and so hard <laughs> that like you can't just hunker down and avoid it for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like you just can't do that. Um, so you have to like find some way of getting into it or like something that you do in the winter. Um, and I'm really struck by the number of Minnesotans that like, you know, have a winter sport, right? Like they get really into snowshoeing or Mm -hmm. cross country skiing, or they have some winter activity where they're like, Ooh, that's when I get my knitting done. Or, you know, like they have some thing that they primarily do in the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess that's true for me too. So I have this like, you know, side gig where I make sculptures out of books. I like carve books and I hardly do that at all. And throughout, I mean, like, that's not quite true. I do it the most in the winter, mm-hmm. you know, on those like long, dark nights. You just, you have to find some way of like getting into it. So when I see this kind of changing season and it's getting cold and I'm digging out the coats and all of that, I'm also just looking at this as like, this is a new phase that will, you know, I can appreciate it for itself. And then when spring comes, 
I will appreciate spring all the more. Mm -hmm. When we were in England, and so um, for people who don't know, and and also hello to all of our British listeners, great to have you. Um, for us Americans, one thing we don't realize is that England is actually pretty far north. Uh, and so the, the climate is moderate because of the water and because of the, you know, jet stream or whatever. Um, don't email me and tell me why I'm wrong. But the climate is moderate, but <laughs> it's far enough north that um, it just gets really dark early. And so I'm kind of making this up. I mean, we were in, we were in Cambridge. Um, but I feel like it was like 3 or 3.30, it would get dark. And then obviously the mornings were dark. And it's exactly what you said, Julia, is that I think culturally – uh, you know, people have developed ways of adapting. And the most obvious thing that, that I noticed when I was there was um, pretty much starting in early December, maybe late November, um, mold wine and mince pies. And so every time, like, you know, you'd have a scientific talk where, like, in the rest of the year, you might have cheese or tea and, and, and cookies or biscuits or whatever – like you would have mulled wine and mince pies. And so every store <gasps> like has that. a little, you know, single serving mince pies. You can make your own. You can buy them at M&S um, and, and mulled wine. And actually, I mean, the darkness was kind of depressing, but I just loved like a month and a half solid of just way too much mulled wine and mince pies. So, um, yes, I, so I miss that. And so, you know, here in, in St. Louis, we don't have the same level of of darkness but uh yeah I, I i don't have a thing right now i guess is what i'm saying that but i wish i did there, i love oh go ahead uh, uh, no you go ahead i insist i also love the like camaraderie that comes from like a shared enemy mm -hmm. right that like we're all dealing with this winter together mm -hmm. and we're all just standing shoulder to shoulder against the blizzard mm -hmm. um and there's this thing that sometimes happens when it's like you know, way below zero and has been for weeks and there's all this snow and it's dark all the time. Um, one of my favorite things to do is like go to a noisy crowded bar where it's like bright lights and noisy people. And there's just like a pile of wet steaming coats in the corner and everyone is just, you know, like in it together dealing with the, the, the darkness outside and the best way that humans have figured out how to deal with it. And like, that's awesome and special. And yeah, it's different than like, you know, sitting out on the patio and drinking in the sunshine, but it's also awesome. Mm -hmm. No, I, I agree. Yeah. Well, and I guess you and I both um, have kind of grown up with that at least a little bit. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so there are people obviously in very warm climates who have never had the experience. And I guess, I guess you have the same thing about the heat, right? I mean, you know, it's very hot and you find ways to deal with it, but but that never appeals to me. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I would. I think I would actually miss winter. I mean, like proper winter if we didn't have it. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll share is um, our daughter. One time, you know, she was being a little nutty. She's three. Uh, and, you know, it was dark outside. And I said, you know, do you want to go for a walk outside? And she said, yes. It was a nighttime walk. It was like our first time outside like you know kind of close to her bedtime it's totally dark you can see the moon and she loved it and she actually just wanted to run and so now it's like a thing that we do where you know oh can we go for a nighttime walk and actually sometimes i'll say do you want to go for a nighttime walk and she'll say no i want to go for a run and so we, we go outside and we hold hands. We run down the sidewalk. Uh, we have to be. We have to yell. She yells more than I do. 
and, and we yell, we're running. And then we run down the street holding hands because that's what she does at school. So she says, oh, we're partners. We have to run together. And so it's a whole thing. And she'll, she'll run like <laughs> she'll run like half a mile. You know, we take we take a little break to catch our breath. It was the whole it's a whole thing. So I actually really enjoy that because there is something kind of magical about being outside at night. Uh, and mm-hmm. just because she's young and often sleeps a lot at night, like she doesn't have that experience. And so I really enjoyed um, sharing that with her. And I, I also look forward to like when there's actually snow that we can run in the snow. Right now it's just mm. dark and cold, but then we'll add the snow and it'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, cheers to winter. But that's to right. Welcome winter and then and don't stay too long, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the end, I'm always ready. Believe me, by, by springtime, I'm ready for spring. But I enjoy, I enjoy the transition. I enjoy, yeah, I enjoy some of the, some of the cold and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometime, I guess not today, but sometime we're going to talk about hobbies and I'd love to hear more about your, your book carving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good. But today we, uh, what's our topic for today, Julia? Cause we have one. Today we are talking about why and how we organize our time. And one thing I like about this topic is as you and I have been talking, Julia, I think you and I both get really excited about the, how we organize our time, but I think it's worth backing up to the why and thinking about why we organize our time and sort of why, like, why do we need a system or do we need a system? And so we I, do. Yeah, we, I, well, I agree. Yes. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, I do. you I, and yeah. I both <laughs> agree. When was the first time that you started really organizing your time? Do- oh, what a good question. Um, probably as a faculty member. Okay. I don't think, I don't think I was terribly well organized as a postdoc or a grad student or before that. And did you have, like, like you, did you have a memory of that or did you, did you have an epiphany or did it just sort of happen organically? I don't remember, which I think means it probably happened organically. Uh, I don't have a good answer to that. I, um, I, I don't have an epiphany moment where like I missed a meeting and I said, now is the time when my scheduling must happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? So I think, you know, on a previous episode, we talked a little bit about when I realized I couldn't do all the things and I, you know, I read the now habit and somehow I don't know if someone recommended it. I think someone did. Anyway, I found getting things done, uh, which is this famous book. Some, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people have never heard of it um, about, about trying to organize your time and, and trying to be more proactive about it. Um, and so it's by David Allen. And so, People often talk about like GTD as like a way to think about your life and you can get way too far into it. Um, But for me, it was just useful to like read someone who's been intentional about this. And now I haven't read it in years. Uh, And so my memory of it is this. It was during graduate school, during my PhD. I remember reading it and being really excited. So there's there's probably a personality trait for this, right? Like people, who, people who really nerd out to like making a list and I, whatever, <laughs> whatever that trait is, I would score very highly on it. My memory is also that like he, um, you know, consulted with high powered CEOs and all this. And so all of the examples, like none of them were applicable to me as a graduate student, but I wanted mm-hmm. them to be. So it was this really funny thing where I got really excited about having all of these systems in place when I really didn't need them. Uh, the advantage was that I think I just started thinking about this. And then as the needs got more 
prominent, I actually had some systems already in place. And I, I can give some examples, but, but I got really interested in this idea of like, it, how do you efficiently keep track of all of your tasks and, um, you know, a couple of core of core principles that, that have been really useful. So I, I, I've been meaning to kind of go back and revisit it now that I actually have way too much stuff to do, but, uh, but I don't have time because I haven't cleaned out my closet yet. <laughs> that, sorry, listeners, gentle listeners. That's a reference to our last topic. If, if, if you did, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. But anyway, I, I've been meaning to get back to it. Yeah. I, um, I have not read much about this. Um, most of the stuff is just like things I have figured out that work well for me to deal with situations that I find myself in that don't work well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess I haven't been as maybe conscious and, and deliberate about it. Um, so I'm excited. I might learn something from this. Right. Well, same. Well, I think in a way, you know, we all have to figure out what works for us. Right. And so I think, you know, it's a, it's a mix of what are the actual demands on our time and what are our personalities and, and so on. So what works for me isn't going to work for you, Julia, and it's not going to work mm-hmm. for a whole bunch of our listeners, but maybe it will, will help, or maybe it will inspire you to, to figure out what works for you. Mm-hmm. So what are the things, like, what do you like about having systems for keeping track of your time and what you have to do? What does that buy you? I think ideally uh, it buys me efficiency in being able to process things quicker um, you know, there's a, one of the things that I really noticed, especially in the last couple of years, um, but just the cost of task switching, right? And so if I have 15 minutes, you know, I can either do a thing that takes 15 minutes or I can take 15 minutes to like go over my mental list of all the stuff I have to do. And increasingly, uh, I forget stuff, right? And so when I was, this is another big change I noticed, like from as an undergraduate, I really didn't have a system and I didn't write stuff down. And I remembered all of it. I, mean, I basically never missed a important thing. Uh, and so a system was like nice, but not necessary. And now mm-hmm. I, I'll forget stuff. I'll miss stuff. I mean, just stuff. Stuff is not a, I guess it's not a good word. You know, appointments, deadlines, important things mm-hmm. to do. I can't remember all of it. But if I try, I have to sit down and like revisit all of that. And so I think mm-hmm. with with planning and lists and whatever, um, to whatever degree you do it, it sort of concentrates the planning. So when I'm like actually paying attention and have mental capacity, I can do some planning and then I can separate that from like, Oh, if I have 15 minutes, do a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yep. so to me, that's been the biggest benefit. The other thing I think, and this is, I, I don't want to get off on a too much of a tangent, but um, so as a graduate student, I also had a, um, I had a, a Palm Pilot, right back in the day, uh, and there was a, a gentle listener. <laughs> right. Palm Pilot. Yeah, guess what? Back before we all had smartphones, we had other things that would like you could write on and put lists in and whatever. Um, but it was, but it was a good way of thinking about it. So I had an app called Life Balance, which I think has now like gone out of business or whatever. I'm sure it has. Uh, but it was actually a really interesting idea because it encouraged you to like put in your work stuff and also your home stuff, right? So a lot of people who make lists make a lot of work lists and the home stuff is like, doesn't get written down. And so this, it was a little, it was an app, but it explicitly tried to get you to put down everything, right? And so you could, and you could sort of adjust like, um, you know, how much time you wanted to spend and it would nag you. Like if you've been only checking off work things, it would like reprioritize your home things, 
right? So if you put in like go for a run, um, that would show up above all the work stuff you had to do if you hadn't gone on a run in a while, uh, which I, I just like the principle of that to actually help you um, not forget about like taking care of yourself, you know, whatever. Um, I kind of like it, but my first reaction was like, get out of my head, man. I'm going to do what I, I want to do. Right? I know. Stop telling me what to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I think that's part of the best part of the balance that we all have to find with it, right? Is like, how much are you dependent on a system and how much are like, how much are you the boss of the system and how much of, is it the boss of you? Right. Uh, and I, obviously we should all be the, the boss and not be told what to do, but like, um, but sometimes you can kind of offload more of that to a list and, and, you know, you can kind of decide how much you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, another benefit for me is um, thinking about what I have to do and worrying about what I have to do and like keeping in mind, oh man, I got to remember later on, I have to do this. Um, I feel like that like, comes at a, at a mental cost, mm-hmm. right? That it's, that it's like, it feels like effort to be thinking about all that stuff. And so I just want to fully outsource mm-hmm. all of that work to but device. So my head is clear to do other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, you know, if, if I am like feeling stressed out and I I'm like, God, there's all this stuff I kind of remember that I have to do. Um, I find a tremendous relief in just doing a big brain dump and writing down all of the things that I'm thinking about that I have to remember to do. Um, and then knowing that like, it's just, it's just gone. Now it's my task manager's problem mm-hmm. and it will remind me to do things as I need to. Right. Yeah. I like that too. I like that too. So mm-hmm. the two, well, before we get into the the weeds of, of stuff, but my experience has been that a lot of my colleagues do not get as into this as I do. I mean, certainly that was true as a graduate student. And I think even now as a seven-year faculty member, I do not see most of my colleagues having, obviously having these systems um, so I think it is, it's true that not everyone does this, but honestly, I can't understand how they do it without having a system. Yeah. Yes, me too. I, I also don't know how people do it without a system. Um, I, and, and like you said, that might be personality differences. It might be, you know, differences in the, the kinds of projects people have, um, but for me, um, it's it's so helpful for all of these things about efficiency, about outsourcing, um, and, and also um, many of the systems, some of the systems that I have set up, um, I have set up to reduce me having to spend time on things that I don't want to spend time on. Mm-hmm. And so it's also just kind of like a selfish, I don't like doing that thing. So now I have come up with a system where I don't have to do that thing. Um and and so I'm not sure for people who who don't have systems I don't know which of those uh, uh, which of those dials is different for them mm-hmm. right if it's a personality thing if they don't mind doing those things and so forth right well I think the other thing uh, and th- and then we should get into like a little bit more detail about our systems but mm-hmm. I mean another way to put it is that we all have a system it's just some people are like not being super intentional or explicit about it. Like if your system is, I'm going to come in and do the thing that stresses me out the most. Like you have a system, even if you wouldn't phrase it that way, right? Like we all have a way of doing stuff and picking what you want to work on today. And so I think the Mm -hmm. goal is just to like find one that works for you that like minimizes stress and increases your productivity or whatever your goals are. Right. And so I think if you don't think about it, chances are you're not going to like find the best one. Yep. All right, gentle nerds, 
because you're who's still with us at this point. <laughs> right. We've now we've everyone who's not listening anymore is like well, anyway, maybe people have it all figured out and they don't need a system and and that's great. More power to you. You 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 all can stop listening if you haven't. <laughs> For us mortals, <laughs> what what would he actually do? Here we go. Get in the well, you know, okay, sorry, one other thing before we get in the weeds. Um, and that is that uh you saying this has changed for you over time. And I was just wondering like how much of this is about like age-related changes in memory, right? Like maybe yeah. when I was an undergrad, I could remember stuff. I mean, we're not that old, but but that's what old people always say. No, that's not <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh I, mean, I think it's both, right? I mean, for me, I noticed a I think I've mentioned this before, but I noticed like a huge difference, like a step change when I got my own lab and I like, I went from, I mean, I've been using a system throughout and I found it very useful as a postdoc and, uh, and we can, you know, maybe we can talk about that, but it was sort of like useful, but not a hundred percent required. And then Mm -hmm. I just felt like as soon as I got a lab, even before I had many people in it, just the, the number of different projects to keep an eye on, I just really felt totally incapable of doing that just in my brain. And so again, maybe some people that's fine and you forget stuff and you don't stress about it, but um, a lot of stuff would have just fallen by the wayside. So I think it is partly getting older. And then also, uh, you know, in my case, um, having a child and that's a whole other, you know, emotional, mental, whatever. And everyone has a different, people have different things, but that was a big change too. And so between the child and the lab, uh, you know, I would I would be completely a mess without some kind of intentional system. Yeah. Okay. Here's where I want to start. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Please. Before 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 we were uh, uh, wait wait when we were can I ask about, do you have a no. li- uh, Julia do you have a list of things to talk about Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> do you know me? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I just had to say it for <laughs> for our audience's benefit. <laughs> um. All right, when we first started talking about potentially doing this as an episode, and I was like, yeah, this sounds great, and I love talking about this stuff. I'm worried it's going to be so boring. But then as I started thinking about it, I was like, I have so many questions I want to ask, and mm-hmm. there are so many things that I have that I think about, you know, about this system. And so I'm actually very happy to get to, you know, talk about this. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, okay, so first, I think the first place that we start before we're like, what do we use to keep ourselves organized is, um, like, what are the what are the goals? of these systems because different systems have different kinds of goals. So there is like a set of systems that, that I have, um, for making sure I like do the things that I am supposed to do. So like, you know, kind of like my to-do list kind of systems. Mm -hmm. Then I also have a set of set of systems for like making sure that I'm in the places that I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So like things that are more related to like, like calendaring and those kinds of things. So that's like the main division that I would make is what I'm supposed to do and where I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. stuff and, and, and schedule. All right. So when I talk about like keeping track of the stuff that I have to do, there's like the big picture of you need to work on this line of research. And, uh, I, and I have kind of like lists made of like, what are all the projects that I'm, that I'm working on? Um, but where the action really is with, with, with my lists are the like actionable items of I have this whole project, but what are the like actual steps that I need to do? Well, I need to edit the stimuli for these. I need to find somebody to program this. Um, And so for like that kind of level of here's a thing that I can check off, um, both for research projects, for teaching, for administrative 
paperwork service committee stuff. Um, I use a program that is called GQs. That's G-Q-U-E-U-E. Um, that is an awesome list making service. You have to pay for it, but it's not terribly expensive. Um, uh, list making service that integrates with Gmail and Google Calendar, which is like the, which I use. Um, and is beautiful for letting you make lists, put them in different uh, uh, categories. You know, I've got the teaching one. I've got the this research project one. I've got the stuff I have to do for my department one. Um, it lets you set it up so that you are, uh, uh, so tasks are due on specific days or at specific times. Um, and then when you pull up your calendar, in addition to like all of your events, it also has, these are the, the tasks that you have to do today. Um, one of the things that is really nice about it is it integrates very nicely with Gmail. So if I get an email that I need to do something about, I you know get a review request and I said, oh, I got to review this paper. Um, there's just a button that I can click in my Gmail that adds it to my GQs list that says, mm -hmm. hey, you got to do this review on this day. Um, and that means that I just archive that email and don't use my email as a as a to-do list and usually pretty consistently maintain inbox zero or, you know, pretty, pretty close to that because I just deal with everything as it comes in. But sometimes dealing with it means, you know, just adding it, adding it to the task manager. Um, and it gives you lots of options for the different ways that you can organize your, your, um, your lists, but you can set up what are called smart queues where, so I have like my work stuff on there and my home stuff on there, but I can set up a smart queue that says, just show me all of the work stuff that is due today or is due this week. And that way, you know, when I sit down to work, I can just click on that and say, okay, here's the broad strokes of what I need to do, but it does not include, you know, buy milk or whatever. Right, right. Although actually my grocery list is in a totally different list, so that's a silly <laughs> <Okay>. example. <laughs> okay, so that's my, that's my short and sweet on task management. Mm -hmm. Well, now you. Right. So I I will get to that, but I think <laughs> just thinking big picture, like what are the principles that have been most helpful? Like, you know, kind of getting back to what you said, why do we do this and what are the goals? And so for me, I think, and these are probably both kind of um, GTD type of things, but the things that have been most helpful for me are getting everything in one place. So you have one mm -hmm. list of stuff to do instead of multiple lists. I'm also currently failing at that, and I can talk about how I fail at it, but I really like the principle. I think it helps a lot. And related to that is, like, not using your inbox as a to-do list, um, which we can also talk about. I really like that principle. It's sometimes hard to do. Um, so collecting everything in one place. And I didn't make a list. I forgot the other one. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just go with that being the most important thing, because uh, I think that really is important. Um so why not having your inbox be like a reminder of stuff to do? Well, if every time I open my email, like let's say I want to email Julia something about a research project, I open up my email and I'm about to compose an email to her and I see my inbox, which has like 50 or 100 or, you know, bazillion messages, you know, some of which are things to do, some of which aren't, some of which are important, some of which aren't. It's so easy to get distracted. And so I think... I mean, email's fine and we, you know, we should talk more about how to process email. But in that moment, my goal of opening my email is not to think about my other to-do list. I want to send Julie an email. And so there's like no advantage of this big list of things yelling at me and getting my attention. So I think um, for most of us, like just separating communication from list of stuff to do 
is really useful. And then when you do that, you can also prioritize. Like there are some emails I would like to respond to, and there are some I kind of have to. And if they're all on the same list, that's confusing for my poor brain, my, my poor old parental PI brain. Like I can't handle that, right? So I need to separate all of that out. Um, and by putting it in one place, then you can sort of trust it more uh, as opposed to like, okay, if I, if I want to know what I have to do, I have to check my email, check my to-do list, check Slack, you know, check my post-it notes I've written around and put on the computer. Like there's so many things and you're going to forget one. Mm. So if you have Mm -hmm. one place that you trust and you have to force yourself to only use it, you know, within reason and then trust it, then you only have one place to look. Right. And so like you said, that sort of helps you offload, you know, instead of running through your mental list, like you have a list. If you need to remember Mm -hmm. something, put it on the list and you trust you will see it. It's not like you write a post-it note. I hope I see it. You know, I'll put the post-it note on my keyboard to make myself see it. I mean, I do that too. But like, if you just trust your system, you're going to see it. You can just relax. Right. Um, And it it does relate to. Trust the system. Sounds like such a creepy dystopian Hunger Games thing to say. But but you know what? I'm I'm, I'm all in. Okay, good. Right. So, so what do I do? So I, uh, I use OmniFocus, which is a Mac program, um, which I've mentioned before. There's a desktop version. There's a iPhone version. They synchronize really well. I've never had issues like losing data across them. Um, so that's really handy. It's very like GTD oriented, just in terms of setting different contexts or tags. Um, this is kind of what you were talking about, Julia, that you can have like a location tag. So if you're really into it and I've tried and I, I do fail, but for example, you could have an email tag. So if you're like, I got a bunch of emails to write, you sit down in front of an email thing, which could be like your iPad or your computer or your phone. Like I have a half hour to write emails. What emails do I have to write? Well, you don't pull up your email client and look at every single email, you pull up your list of emails to write and you just write them. So it can be sort of context sensitive or breaking up home and office or whatever. Um, I have, speaking of getting milk, I have my grocery list in there also, but there's a context for the grocery store and I actually have it, um, you know, there's geofencing. And so when I actually go to the grocery store, the list automatically comes up and reminds me to buy milk uh, when it works and when I remember Mm -hmm. to put it in. But, you know, so you can have like context sensitive stuff. So I've used that for a long time and been super happy with it. Uh, and, and here is where I start to talk about how I don't follow my own advice. So that that's what I use. Um, as a lab, we also use something called Basecamp, um, which I've also been using forever, which I love. Uh, Basecamp is a kind of project management tool for groups. Uh, and so every project can have a set of to-do lists and discussions um, or chats. And so it's it's different than Slack, but it um, has some of the same functionality, but importantly, it has to-do lists. And so what does this get me? Uh, This gets me, in terms of my lab, uh, it gives me the ability to see what people are working on. It lets me assign items to other people, and it also lets people assign things to me. So, uh, and this also helps me get lab stuff out of email. So, Uh, previously people would email me and say, you know, dear Jonathan, can you sign this form? It's due next Friday. And that would be in my email. Right. And so do I leave that in my inbox until next Friday? Like, well, no, that's crazy. That's what most people do. Um, I could then pull up OmniFocus and like make myself a reminder and that takes time and maybe I won't get to it or maybe I won't see the email. 
And so now I just ask people in my lab, don't even email me, just make me a to-do with a due date. And it will just automatically come up on my list. So that's been awesome, except now I have two places to look, right? So I have OmniFocus for like my personal stuff, my personal organization, and then lab stuff is on Basecamp. But that's still, it's still workable and they're sort of, they kind of function differently. Uh, and so that's at the basic level, that's kind of um, what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I also remembered, <laughs> finally, uh, the other really important principle that I liked from getting things done. So one was have a single inbox. Or, or in my case, I'm cheating and I have two, but you know, a limited number that you trust. And the other one is breaking down projects into manageable chunks. And I actually think this is arguably a bigger benefit than just like not forgetting things. So, you know, if I have a, let's say I have a manuscript to write a research paper and I've written zero words and I know that I need to write the whole paper, it's very tempting to write a post-it note and have a to-do item that's like, write manuscript, right? <laughs> right? Because that's the thing I have to do. And then if just, I have... <laughs> just, I want to put up a post note that just says, get tenure. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Do do good work, you know. Um, so write manuscript. Then I have 15 minutes, and I look at my list, and it says write manuscript. I'm like, well, I can't write a manuscript in 15 minutes. That's ridiculous, right? And so what I've done, it's not that I don't have the time per se, I mean, that's also true, but like, it's not, that's not the problem. The problem is I have much too big of a chunk, right? I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know what resources I need. I have no context. And so a better way to do that would be like, you could imagine breaking that down into say 15 minute chunks, right? So a chunk could be, uh, write the methods, right? But the methods, I mean, that still could take you a while. A better chunk might be like, write a paragraph about the participants, right? Or like, then you go to do that and you realize you need to like collate some stuff into a spreadsheet. So you make it to do It's like a 15 minute chunk, go through, write up all the, you know, collect all the data, put it in a spreadsheet. So it, it helps you break. So it encourages you to break projects into manageable chunks. If you're aware mm-hmm. of it, if you never think about it, you'll have to do lists that never get done because they're all, you know, get tenure, write manuscript, fix house, whatever the thing is, raise child. Um, they're all things you already know. They don't help you when you have 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever. So I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. finding the granularity and we might all have different chunks. Like maybe you need five minute chunks and maybe you all, you like two hour chunks, right? Cause you, you know, whatever you have two hours a week to work on research, two hour chunks are good for you. Find your own chunk size. Um, but I think, yeah, being intentional about the the size is good. And honestly, most of us just have chunks that are too big. And so we don't, we don't work on stuff as much as we could. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Low barriers to entry, right? You're like, yeah, what am exactly. I going to do now? There's the thing it's going to be. Well, yep. well, it's sort of like, it's also um, consolidating the barriers to entry in a way. So like yeah. when you sit down to make the list, you have to have, you have to do the planning and do the hard questions about like what actually has to be done. But then when right. you work on it later, you've done that work. And so all you have to do is sit down for 15 minutes and do a thing on your list. Yeah. Yep. And I've also had success having to do items that are like, and this is cheating, which I totally get, but I'll have an, I'll have a thing that's like spend 15 minutes on, on this project. So yeah. that I feel like I can check it off. Right. And, and it's like, just do a little bit. And even if I don't know what the thing is, it's still a small enough chunk. It's about the time, not about write manuscript. It'd be like, Spend 15 minutes planning the manuscript. 
check. Mm -hmm. I can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a low barrier, exactly as you said. Mm -hmm. I want to see the research that somebody has done that says that checking a box on your checklist gives you the same little, you know, surge of dopamine or whatever it is as cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Surely someone's working on that. It's like the old, it's like the old, um, you know, I think it's an old hack that started off as a serious thing and then people made fun of it, but I still do it. Or like start if you, your list with make a list. Yeah, exactly. You start your list with make a list and then when you're done, you check it off. But like yeah. <laughs> but it's true because you have to do that and it's important. And so it's just recognizing, you know, recognizing that and then giving yourself some credit for it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, I went through another phase, which I've now passed through, but I enjoyed it. So I'm going I'm to share it, um, which was to get out of electronic or to coordinate electronic to-do lists with non-electronic to-do lists. And the way that I did this was, so this was um, inspired in part. So Merlin Mann had a bit um, for a while, a bit as in like a joke about a hipster PDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and his hipster PDA was like a stack of three by five cards that you carry in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> right. So it was like supposed to be as a joke, but actually um, this is really great. And so sometimes, and this is especially before um, like think pre smartphone, right. When you might have a Palm pilot, but you, it, it was a little bit more difficult to access electronic lists. But there is also something very satisfying about just pulling out a pen and writing something down and not having to decide in that moment. Like when I enter something on a to-do list, you know, I'm like, oh, what's the due date? What project is this part of? Is there a tag I want to associate with it? There's like some decisions in getting it into that format. But mm-hmm. actually, sometimes I don't have time for that. Or sometimes I want to draw a picture. I want to be like, oh, here's my little idea for a project. I'm just going to sketch it out, right? Mm-hmm. And so just having a blank three by five card is super useful for that. Then ideally what you would do is like, you know, have those in your pocket and every afternoon or once a week, go through your three by five cards and like enter them to something more permanent, right? It's not supposed to be like an ever evolving, you know, it's like you don't just keep adding three by five cards so that after a year you have like a five inch stack in your pocket. It's like do it for today or for a week and then, you know, enter them somewhere else, but it's just a quick way to capture things. So you don't forget. Right. Mm -hmm. So I I thought that was really useful. Um, And then I I know, I, I, I know I get into this too much. So (laughs) Levenger, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, Levenger is like a fancy stationery company, but you know they have they have stuff for people who read and write and folios and notebooks and whatever. But they also have really nice three by five cards. And you think I'm joking, but like for example, graph paper ruled three by five cards, and they're nice thick stocks. Like you don't when you write <laughs> them, it feels good. And so I, I I still have a stack of these really nice three by five cards in my office and I go through phases where I'll just like use those to take notes on instead of having to write everything down, which I really, I actually, I really enjoy it. So I, I should do it more often. Um, but that was also a useful phase for a while. <laughs> have you gone, Julia, have you gone through like a, a, a non-electronic phase of this or did you like, are you too young? Did you skip over that? The, no, the need I'm just, for that? I just do it all. I just do it all on my phone. I mean, like GQ syncs across like, you know, my computer and phone and Mm -hmm. all of that. But no, I don't, I don't ever, I don't ever write things down. Okay. I write, I write thank you notes Mm -hmm. and 
when I'm helping my four-year-old spell words, I write things. But those mm-hmm. are, that's like the only time I write with write uh-huh. with my gotcha. with my hands. Uh-huh. Yeah, like yeah. an animal. <laughs> like an animal. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Uh, so then, Levenger also has these notebooks called um, circa notebooks, where you can rearrange the pages, and so. I got into that for about two months. Um, you, you basically, it's a like computer. a hard copy, you know, PDA. Again, yeah. Not now with with smartphones, it's a little bit less um, critical. But for some people, really like having a hard copy of stuff, and so I think mm-hmm. it's a really mm-hmm. good, it's a really good solution. So I will put a link in the show notes, and for anyone who's forgotten, uh, this is episode eight. And where could we find show notes for episode eight, Julia? Juiceandsqueeze.net slash eight. There you go. Juiceandsqueeze.net slash eight. That's right. When you said PDA the first time, I was like, (laughs) oh, weird. He's talking about a professional development account. And then I was like, no, no, that can't be right. Oh, he must be talking about a public display of affection. No, no, that can't be right. What's happening? And then I remembered that there was the thing called the PDA that was like an old-timey phone. And what did it stand for? Do you know? Personal... Digital, no, I'm assistant, of, probably. Assistant? Yeah. Google it. We'll check I right am. now. Please hold everybody. We're going to check in real time. Personal digital assistant. We All nailed right. it. All right. High five. It's also, sorry, it's also patent ductus arteriosus. <laughs> in case anyone's wondering. Uh, anyway, yes, sorry, please continue. <laughs> All right, so we've got systems to keep track of the things we have to do, and then we also have systems to keep track of uh, when when we are doing things. So I have just completely given uh, control of everything about my life to Google, and I'm just fully all in on Google Calendar. Um, and... Uh, so I schedule everything. If there's anywhere I'm supposed to be, whether it's personal, professional, whatever, it goes in Google Calendar. Um, I also make appointments with myself. So when I'm looking at my week and I say I need a three hour chunk to write something, I like actually schedule that Mm -hmm. as a meeting, um, in, in my Google Calendar as well. Um, and then a couple of years ago, um, I got totally fed up with the thing of someone says, when can you meet? And I write back and I say, I'm free Tuesday at two, but not after whatever. And then they write back and say, no, and then you've already scheduled something in like that whole back and forth about scheduling. Um, and so I now use, um, uh, a service website called youcanbook.me um, that just gives kind of a, um, content blind access to my Google Calendar. So <laughs> gentle listeners, if you go to juliastrand.youcanbook.me, it shows like all of the times that I am free to meet. And so if anybody says, hey, when can you meet? I just say, here's my calendar. Um, I mean, here's my availability. Um, and it's awesome because people just can schedule meetings with me whenever they need to, and I'm and I'm not involved. Um, the thing that is that is tricky about it is that I then have to have like a good calendar hygiene and make sure that things are blocked off if I don't want meetings. Then, um, but for someone like me who's pretty compulsive about doing that, it's easy. I, I could see this being no good for people who are not good about entering stuff in their calendar because then people are booking you for times when you actually have another um, have another commitment. Um, but it has really been a great like time saver. Um, and this is one of those places where, you know, when I say I look at all the things I have to do and I find the ones that I don't like doing and I see if there's some way to let technology help me avoid that, 
this is a really kind of clear example of that for, for me. Um, I've also heard people having objections about like, I don't want a meeting any time that works for them. I want to think about when it's the most convenient for me. Um, and uh, when I, I hear that, for, for me, if I'm blocking out the times that I need to do the things that I need to do, and I have a bunch of other free time, um, then I'm you know happy being flexible about what, it, what works for, for other people. Um, so I am so reliant on my digital calendar now that, you know, if somebody says, Hey, what are you doing for Wednesday for lunch? Um, I don't even try to think of it. I just say, I have no idea. Let me look at my calendar. Mm -hmm. I have just fully outsourced all of that information. Um, and, and so I also like never schedule anything just based on when I think I'm free because I just, I have no idea, Mm -hmm. just have no idea. So. I'm all in. Yeah, me too. So I I use Calendly, um, which is kind of similar, which has been great. And so, you know, it's exactly the same thing. It it like looks at my calendar. It says when I'm free, I can also set, um, you know, days of the days of the week or times of the day that it's allowed to book. Mm -hmm, Uh, And then I also do your trick. um, uh, Sorry, it's not a trick strategy. Uh, You know, I'll block off. So if I block off time, Calendly just knows that like I'm busy. It doesn't know with what. Right. And so if I um, if I need an hour to write, I'll I'll put that on my calendar and that way no one will sign up for a meeting then. And so it does exactly as you said, it gives me kind of control over what times people are allowed to sign up. Um, And so that's enough for me. And, I, you know, again, I don't care. I don't really care within the boundaries I've set. I'm I'm happy to meet with whoever Uh, a practical consequence I've noticed is that it tends to push meetings off later. So like in the old days, if you would uh, ask me, you know, literally, Julia, you would email me and say, hey, can we Skype tomorrow? I would look at my schedule for tomorrow and see that every hour is booked. But I would think, ah, I like Julia. I want to Skype with her. And so I would like delete my, you know, I was going to write for two hours in the morning, but I'll write back to you and say, you know what? I could talk tomorrow morning. I could move that around. Right. Like some things are more flexible than others. Like with the doctor's Mm -hmm. appointment. I wouldn't change it, but if it was like a meeting with um, with a student about a project, I might think, well, you know what, it's, I can do that next week. I'll talk to Julia now. So I would end up moving around my schedule to accommodate requests, uh, and, mm-hmm. and often it would be, you know, tomorrow or next week, whereas now if I ask people to sign up for a time, frequently I even put in my you know, email, like, I'm sorry if there's nothing available for a couple of weeks. And then you know what? 90% of the time people will just sign up for what's available, which is in Sometimes it's two or three weeks and they can wait. That's fine. And so not that I'm trying to like, I mean, if I have time tomorrow, I'm happy to meet tomorrow. But what is, what's happened is I am now better about keeping my time like for writing, which is not a lot, but like, I'll be like, here's an hour. I'm really going to work on a project. And now it's much more likely that will happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then if it's something I don't want to say really important, but really important, I, c- I still can move around my calendar and just like put people in, but for the majority of things it's kind of outsourced as, and also ends up pushing things off later, which has been great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do, you know, because it's outsourced and maybe you've had this too, like, yeah, you do have to have, yeah, you do have to have good calendar hygiene. Uh, I like that phrase. Um, and kind of trust yourself that you've put everything on there. And so like once at least I was out of town and like, I hadn't marked it off as busy because 
you know, but boring things about how I put, I put in the travel. And so people like signed up for meetings when I was like not in town that day. And so I had to like email a bunch of people and say, oops, I'm sorry. Can you sign up for another time? Which, mm-hmm. you know, not the end of the world. Uh, the other thing is sometimes they get surprised that people will sign up for meetings they haven't noticed. Right. And so they'll like turn up in my office and be like, oh, hey, we're like, we're going out for coffee. I'm like, we are what? Because <laughs> I because I didn't look, um, but again, that hasn't happened very often, and it's always at a time when I don't have other stuff scheduled, which is why they were able mm-hmm. to to sign up. So that's been, I mean, that's been the um, after like having a to do list or whatever. This having some calendar management like this has been the biggest improvement in my time management in you know mm-hmm. it, ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the the other thing that I really like about it is it just like enables me to be more of the kind of person that I really strive to be, which is like, I want to remember to call my grandma on her birthday. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that if I'm not deliberate about it, I'm busy and I'm running around and everything. And all of a sudden it's late at night and whatever. Um, And, you know, and if I schedule those things at first, I was like, if I'm scheduling this stuff, does this make me like a less thoughtful person? Like, do you get more credit for just remembering on your own mm-hmm. to call your grandma. Um, uh, and I, I don't think so. I think like what matters is calling her and whether you have the digital device help you do that or not. I think what is, what is sweet is that you are looking for, is that you're calling her and, mm-hmm. and you know, planning ahead to do it even. I agree. Um, and so, you know, uh, not letting people down by forgetting to do the things that you're supposed to do for them. Delighting people by surprising, you know, by remembering things that, you they might not expect you to remember um I, I feel like i'm only able to do those by i was about to say using digital crutches but it's not a crutch because it's not over, well it's kind of a crutch i don't know but that's <laughs> support that's how i'm able supports. to achieve it supports yeah yeah um yeah and actually so um the other thing i really like about um omnifocus and i'm sure lots of other things is the ability to set repeating reminders yeah. and so if you're like you know what Every week, I have to do laundry. Mm-hmm. It's a bad example because at some point you'll run out of clothes. They'll remember, right? Or like ever, you know. In my better moments, I'm like every week I should clean out the fridge, right? It's mm-hmm. super boring, but you know what? I'm not going to remember to do it because I don't want to do it. So I just need a little thing mm-hmm. to nudge me. I'm like, hey, every week you should do it, right? Or like, um, I have every every Tuesday and Thursday after class, post the slides, right? Exactly, and then mm-hmm. it's so easy to click it off if you remember it anyway. Who cares? But then mm-hmm. you don't have to. Um, but I, you were mentioning like people, I have friends like that where like every, every, however often, you know, I don't know, not for most of them, the one, you know, it's like every three months, like make sure you call so-and-so and check in and you mm-hmm. think it's stupid, but it's really easy for it to go like six months or eight months between talking to certain friends. And like, I don't want it to go that long. And so I don't always do it, but I certainly do it more than if I didn't make a reminder for it. So yeah, mm-hmm. the reminders are the things you want to do regularly, but it might be too long to remember or just stuff that you you get too busy for. There's a whole other discussion, um, which I think we're not going to do now, but a lot of task managers let you like associate tags or contexts or things with to-do items. And I think we're going to save that for bonus audio. Um, but that's a chance to tell you about our bonus audio. So thanks to all of you who are supporting us on Patreon. We post bonus audio there. Uh, and what's bonus audio? We eventually will have some full episodes up there, but it's also just like chit chat about like quasi random things that just don't make it into full episodes. 
So we have um, we have a little chat about running. Julie and I have both been runners at various points. We have a little chat about computers in our labs. I think we're gonna have a little chat about what tags we use in um, in our little to do list managers. And so it's just a little extra chance to listen to us to to thank you for supporting us. So thanks to everyone who listens and for all your feedback. And um, and head over to Patreon if you want some bonus audio. There's a link in the show notes. Well. That's the end of my list. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> oh, hey, so do we have a challenge for next time, Julia? Um, I have one. Great. Oh, yeah, good. I, I, great. Okay, ready? So uh, the challenge is to check an item off a list. And guess the first item on my list was to make that challenge. So I'm done. So t- <laughs> <laughs> take that. Cheater. <laughs> yep. I learned from the best. <laughs> Are you you trying to think of a witty comeback and unable to think of one? (laughs) That's okay. How did you know? Well, anyway, uh, so just just a last reminder. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback uh, about this topic and other topics. If you go to our website, juiceandsqueeze.net, there's a contact button. Send us an email. We read all the emails. We love getting them. And especially, you know, for this episode, we'd love to hear what kinds of things work for you and what doesn't work for you. And if this is, you know, your first foray into getting organized in this way, you know, kind of how it's going for you. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. squeeze.net slash eight.